Good morning, church. All right, there's at least half of you that are still asleep. So to help wake each other up, I want this side to turn to that side, that side to turn to that side, wave and say hello. Hello, there we go. All right, now we're awake. (laughs) All right, would you stand and worship our Lord with us this morning? This is amazing grace.
so much for your grace this morning. Thank you for being with us through our week, bringing us here together. Would you be with Pastor Scott as he opens your word this morning? Give us ears to hear and hearts that are willing to obey. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Say thank you to the praise team this morning for leading us the way they do. You may not know this about Andrew. He is uh, not the upfront person, but he's willing to be and be who the Lord would have him to be and do what the Lord would have him to do. And in the midst of all the other things in his life over the last year, he also got a promotion and he starts it tomorrow. So congratulations to Andrew. Um, he is a hard worker. He is definitely a hard worker. So thank you for applauding. He probably didn't hear it, but that's okay. I, I'm going to make a statement here. It sounds like it's self-serving. It's, it's, it, uh, it was an encouragement to me. This week I was uh, talking to an individual, and we and end up we, we're talking about things of God and church, and he goes, man, when you talk about those things and Cross Point Baptist Church, or, or your church, he said, you smile a lot when you talk about those things. And I didn't realize it. Um, so it, it just it got me to thinking after he said it, and I shared it during Sunday school hour this morning of Faithful Life, that that encouraged me. That, like, that means it's, it's close and dear to my heart. And I actually had planned on sharing some things this morning by way of an introduction, not because of announcement's sake. Uh, Brad will handle that. 
but because of excitement's sake. Uh, over the, the next two weeks, I want you to listen and be thinking about uh, the ministry things that we're doing. Some of it's outreach, some of it is growing together, it's learning God's word, it's learning who he is. Over the next two weeks, listen to what we have. Tonight is Vacation Bible School, our last night of our three Sunday nights of Vacation Bible School. So tonight, um, a lot of things will be happening. Uh, kids will be coming in. Uh, somebody's getting a pie in the face tonight. We're not sure who that is as of yet. Everybody's pointing to Trago. I don't know. We will find out. Be watching the video. And for the penny wars that come in, the money's going to our missionary Jim Smith in Japan, which just so happens where the Olympics are this year. And that is our theme for our Vacation Bible School is victory, competing for the crown. So um, be in prayer for that tonight. You need to be watching. I think we show, how much of it do we show on Facebook? Just the opening part? Is that, yeah. So um, you can watch if you're not able to be here. Actually, you need to be a worker to be here. But um, the, the point of it is we have an opportunity and we're ministering tonight. Now, on the very next Monday, one week from tomorrow, Pastor Rick will be taking your kids, our kids, to Splash Camp. Splash Camp is here, and you heard me mention this on Wednesday night. Camp is a great opportunity for boys and girls to get away from the distractions of this world. Distractions of this world. They're not doing this for a week. Or have headsets on and playing their gaming. They're, they're getting a chance to step away from those things. And all of a sudden, they're going to find out that they may be alone with their thoughts for the first time. That's a good thing. That is a great thing to be alone with your thoughts and give God their attention. And, and he'll gain their attention. Pastor, so they leave next Monday. If um, I, somebody had mentioned, you had mentioned sponsoring a, a kid uh, for camp. It's still not too late to do that. But... It's an opportunity for you to, barest minimum, come alongside and be praying for your kids. All next week. And then August 3rd. August 3rd is uh, our uh, national night out. So we will, as a church body, we will on Tuesday night, that is the night that we, uh, national night out is um, uh, supporting um, the police departments. Um, we have chosen that one. We're going to try to beat the other one as well, uh, Union Township. But... Uh, up at Batavia Township, I'm, yeah, but at the, we call it the Hummer Park. What's it called? It's called Batavia Township Park, isn't it? Yeah. I know it by the Hummer Park and the Helicopter Park, so i got to work on that. But we have, uh, we're going to do everything that we did two years ago when we did this. We had face painting. We had balloons. We had um, tracks that were being handed out. We had popcorn cups with our names on it. Two reasons why we do that. Two. One, people don't know where we are. People don't know where Cross Point Baptist Church is. When, I, when, they, when someone asks me, where's Cross Point Baptist Church? I'll start to tell them, you go down 32, you turn right on Bell's Lane. Across from Kroger, they're like, yeah, yeah, I know where it's at. And they always think we're the other one. They, they don't let me finish, right? you got to let me finish. Turn right at Bell's Lane. Third Street on your right is Tina Lane. But at the very end, you can't miss it. And then I'll say, we're hidden because we don't like people. Just to get them away to remember it. But... The point is, people don't know who, where we are or who we are, more importantly, what we're about. It's a chance at barest minimum to get uh, our name recognition. But our second reason why we do this is to share the love and the message of Jesus Christ. August 3rd, you can have a part. How can you have a part? 
You're probably already saw the water bottles that are coming in. We hand out water that night with our as a gift. So a lot of things going on. Uh, tracks all that face painting the whole nine yards uh, is August third, and then August the seventh is a Saturday. August the seventh at uh, 10 p.m. We will be having a membership class. Okay. So if you like, what's membership class all about? Why do I got to become a member? Is that even a Bible thing? What is that about? Well, come and find out. You need to see what it is. It important? Is it a mandate? Is it? What does it mean to be a member of a Bible believing church? And that just gets us to August. I'm excited about these things, not just because we're doing something. I'm excited because of what we're what we're trying to put forth. The Bible makes claims. And we want to share those claims. The Bible is the absolute truth of words uh, of God's word. We of God. We want to share that truth. What people do with it's up to them. We want to be responsible as a church body. That actually, I didn't realize it. What I just shared with you segues perfectly for today's topic. People don't care what you know until they know how much you care. You ever heard that saying before? People want to know that you care and that you're there. You care. Our words mean things. Our words can be weighty. Our words can be fun. Our words can be hurtful. But your word is only as validated as your character. Who you are. Boy, for some reason that topic has came up a lot this week. Who are you? I had a deep conversation just last night about this with somebody. The question was, who are you? Could you even answer that? Do you know who you are? That's, uh, that's like the purpose, why we're here on this earth. That's like, there's no way you can ever know those things. I think you can. But it's a sobering thought when you stop to think about it. In fact, that would be an exercise for I would challenge you to do uh, quickly, is to get alone with yourself and ask that question, who am I? Not who I want to be, that comes next. It's who am I right now? When what prompted this thought or conversation as of recently was we were talking about someone that was um, on, their, on their deathbed. And they, as you stop and think, there's no hiding from who you are at that point. You know who you are at that point. There's no hiding from God who you are. Again, not who you want to be, but who you are. Stop and think about that. I can answer that question for myself. I spent a lot of time thinking about it. You can think, well... Pastor Scott, don't you just have it all together? You shaved your beard and it all just came magically, came to you, didn't it? By the way, it took some people a couple days to realize I had shaved. That was kind of sad. Who we are. What we say is only as valid as who we are. The word integrity is the word I like to use here. Why? Because that has been a lost word over the years, in my opinion, in churches. Integrity. It's a lost characteristic. We tend to look for the worst in people instead of the best. In our world, when um, being shady can kind of be winked at or laughed at or even admired in some people's eyes. When uh, there's a... uh, there's a whole TV program over this about uh, 
greed and scout and, and just shadiness in the business world and how they got away with it and how certain CEOs get away with it and how they're admired in, in, in the prisons and things like that. It's, it's, it's admired, but yet it's the exact opposite of how God wants us, who, who he wants us to be and how he wants us to live. It's like we're a people group that have lost their shame. Have we no shame? Have we no shame? The word integrity can be defined as uprightness or character. Uprightness, living forthright. Upright or, or just simply put, honesty. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5 is the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. Now, a couple weeks ago, I, did, I shared our chapel messages of Youth Haven Bible Camp. I had a bunch of them out of chapter 7. Uh, chapter 7 actually concludes the Sermon on the Mount. Chapter 5 is the beginning uh, of the Sermon on the Mount. He goes over the Beatitudes, and then he covers, you are salt, you are light. He talks about fulfilling uh, Christ, um, how he fulfilled the Old Testament laws. By the way, I love questions. Chad Trago asked a great, just a how did that work question in the Old Testament that uh, we got to do some work on just to find out what it looked like. And it was, I love questions, but Christ came to fulfill that Old Testament. He talks next about how, uh, where do these things come from that are evil within us? They come from our heart. He talks about adultery in the heart. He talks about marriage. He talks about um, how that is a binding. It's a very serious, weighty matter. In fact, it dovetails nextly, nicely with the next portion that we're going to look at in verses 33 through 37. And the word is integrity. Do you have it? Do you have it? And by the way, you're probably not the best judge of whether you have integrity or not. It's going to be somebody who lives with you. It's going to be somebody close to you or somebody you work with that's going to recognize your integrity. Matthew chapter 5, verse 33, he says, Again, you have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not swear falsely, but shall perform your oaths to the... Oaths, I said oaths. Oaths, oaths to the Lord. But I say to you, do not swear at all, neither by heaven, for it is God's throne, nor by the earth, for it is his footstool, nor by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Nor shall you swear by your, own, by your head... Because you cannot make one hair white or black, but let your yes be yes, your no be no, your no no, for whatever is more than these is from the evil one. So regardless of your age, we're going to talk about this in a moment, integrity is vitally important in your walk with the Lord. It's important to him, it's important to you, and it's important to the people around you. They want to see genuineness. When people talk about Cross Point Baptist Church or whether they ask me, I hope when they ask me, I give this answer. I think it's a true answer. And it, it's this, what you see here is what you get. We're genuine. We're, we don't, I don't want us to put on airs and be something that we're not. We're a group of people that are uh, uh, saved by God's grace. We are grateful for the cross and we got hangups. We got hookups. We got all kinds of issues in our personal lives that he's working on and we want to be working on as well. That's genuine. 
It's just being honest and being very genuine. In this Sermon on the Mount, we see that the problem that we address today is the same problem that they had back then. Why is that? Because the human condition has never changed. What do I mean by that? We are depraved, deprived people, depraved people. We have a sin nature. The Bible is not old and dusty. It's very much applicable today. Verse 33 through 36, I want you to consider the context of who he's talking to. He's talking to a mixed group of people. The Sermon on the Mount is not a gospel presentation as much as it is just a teaching moment. There is, a, there, there is all kinds of people on the Sermon on the Mount. Those that are needing to hear the truth, they're, they're hurting, they're trying to make it through life. There are those that were actually spies, but also religious elite that would listen and hear. So when we read the context of verse 33 through 36, mainly, you're going to see something that may strike you odd. Like, why does the Bible talk in code? You ever wondered that? Like, why do you pastors always got to, now here's what it really means. You got to dig deep. Why is that? There's, I can give you one answer for that. Jesus concealed the message, but for only for those that would believe at times. That's what parables were. We think parables were to make stories simple and easy to understand. There's that element, but he was speaking to those that had ears to hear. The smart ones that didn't have the ears to hear, the scholarly and the academic that didn't have ears to hear, they couldn't get his message. With all your IQ, with all your genius, you can't get what Jesus is saying because you don't have the ears to hear. Here's what had happened. Verse 33, it says again, You have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not swear falsely, but shall perform your oaths to... The, I'm going to say, that's in my mind now. I'm saying, in my mind I'm hearing oaths. Oaths, don't say oaths. Oaths to the Lord. The Old Testament history. They're, they're, by the way, they're not totally wrong here. Leviticus 19, Numbers chapter 30, Deuteronomy 23. Vows were a very serious matter in the Old Testament. Very serious. If you take his name, keep the vow or bring dishonor to him. Keep the vow. Even in the Old Testament, the laws had to be taught in the right spirit. Amen? We can, even in the New Testament, we, we forget the spirit of the law, not, and we get so worried about the jot and the tittle and the letter of the law. Don't get lost. He says in verse 33, look here. He says, again, you have heard. Okay? Again, he's reminding them, hello, McFly, again. Let me repeat this again. You have heard. Jesus was not changing the Old Testament law, but he was correcting their interpretation of it or reaffirming what they had heard. Are you with me? He was reaffirming. Again, like you have heard it said before. Don't we do that with our children? Right? We, if you haven't said it nine times, you haven't said it enough. Like they're not, they're just not, don't seem to be getting it. So he's either reaffirming, saying again, like you have heard, or he's correcting their interpretation thereof. They were legalistic Jews in the crowd, the religious elite. They were adding their interpretations and rules. They were adding their own. Some accuse the New Testament church of doing that today. You, you, you're adding to what the Bible says. 
we don't want to add to what the Bible says. That's not our goal. Our goal is to be as honoring and, and, and we got to have a structure on what it looks like. What I love about the Bible is that it can transcend all cultures. The principles transcend all cultures. Jesus was not changing the law. He was correcting, reaffirming what they had heard. If, as if, by the way, as if adding or to or interpreting God's word would make it better. You have God's word, just follow it. Why would we try to make it better? You can't outsmart God's sovereignty. That's a good one. You can't outsmart God's sovereignty. You see Jesus doing this. Look at verse 27. We're going to pick up the pace here. He says in verse 27, you have heard. Look in verse 31, the very first part. Therefore, it has been said. Look in verse 33. Again, you have heard. Verse 38, you have heard that it was said. Verse 43, you have heard that it was said. You see what he's doing here? He's, he's, he's really going, let me retrain what you think you know. Let me give you the right, proper interpretation of what you think you know. Because what you think you know of the scripture ultimately is going to be what you think about God. And there it is. That's why it is vitally important we rightly divide the word of truth. Why is that? Because as you think about the Bible and God is how you're going to live. You may not know this, but your theology is what you're living out of. You may think, no, I don't know if that's totally true because I don't think about God all the time. There you go. <laughs> you, what what you think out of your theology is how you're ultimately living. The word but is a contrast. Now, look in verse, remember how every verse that I just shared with you, you have heard. Now watch the following verse. Look in verse 28. But I say to you, look in verse 32. But I say to you, look in verse 34. But I say to you, look in verse 39. But I tell you, look in verse 44. But I say to you, course correcting. In our lives, we spent time, we think kind of pursuing God and what we think is right. But, but you know, all of us as believers, sometimes we need to be course corrected. Not sometimes, probably all the time. We get it wrong. Why? Because we want what we want. Jesus is clarifying. When he says, but, he's telling us to listen up. That's code for them, and it's a warning to us. Anytime you see the word but in the Bible, that means listen up. Listen up. Something good is about to happen here, because you're going to get what you need today. So, let's talk about the practice of that day which is not a whole lot different of the practice of today. The religious leaders of that circle, they found a way of getting around keeping their word. I'm glad we don't do that. They found a way of getting around keeping the word and everybody saw it. Man, can I give a warning to parents right now? Be careful what you promise your kids. Just please be careful. With, they will hold you to it. They will hold you to it. I promise you they will. And you don't lose your integrity before your own kids. 
If you're not in that boat yet, just take, write that down. Don't lose the integrity before your own children. That, that's what was happening. The religious elite there that had all the power, all the authority, they, they found a way of getting around their own law, their own word, and everybody saw it. Everybody could see it. They were play actors. Look in chapter 6, verse 5 of Matthew. Just a page over, perhaps. Chapter 6, verse 5. Listen to what he says. And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites. Say hypocrites. hypocrites. Don't be like that. Don't be like the play actors. That's what he's saying. Don't do that. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets that they may be seen by men. Surely I say to you, they have the reward. You got what you wanted. You got to be seen by other people and that profits you absolutely nothing other than stroking your ego. That's it. That's all they got. Don't be the play actor. Don't let people say the church is full of hypocrites either because we're way worse than that. That's barely describing the human nature. Do not swear at all. Look at verse 34 so, uh, of chapter 5. He says, telling them you have heard of old, you shall not swear falsely, but perform the oaths to the Lord. But I say to you, do not swear at all. Let's look at what he's talking and referring to here. When he says, do not swear at all, watch what Jesus is teaching and catch the spirit of the lesson here, okay? Whenever anyone would make a vow that they did not intend to keep, they would swear by heaven, this is in this, this culture, they would swear by the earth, or they would swear by Jerusalem, or by their own person, okay? Jesus didn't just throw these three random thoughts out here. You may be thinking, as you read this, you may be thinking, Why? that's just kind of weird. There must be a hidden message in here. This one isn't a hidden message. This is what they were doing. He was pointing it out. In fact, look at verse 35. Nor, don't swear, look at 34. Don't swear by the heavens. Look at verse 35, it talks about nor by the earth, and later he says, nor by Jerusalem. Okay? He's, or, and then in verse 36, by your body. He didn't just point these or pull these out of, of nowhere. That's what they were doing. If religious leaders use God's name in an oath, it's as if he was part of their transaction. In other words, God's part of my deal of what I'm sharing with you. And you're getting ready to be a play actor? Are you sure you want to do that? They... They're right, but they thought if they didn't use his name, he wouldn't be involved, and then they were wrong in what Jesus was teaching. So it flipped the script on them a little bit. Look how Jesus used heaven, earth, and Jerusalem. When Jesus said in verse 34, but I say to you, do not swear at all, neither by heaven. Why? Why don't swear by heaven? Because it's holy. It's sanctified. Don't drag it down with you because you don't have the, uh, your words not good enough. That you have to attach heaven to it, something holy and sanctified. You have to attach God, heaven, to your word. Why? And he tells you in verse 34 why. That's God's throne, y'all. That's his domain. Don't, don't even, you, you really can't hurt the throne of God in, in the end. But you can in a relational way. Because how people think about you 
as you talk about God, when your life doesn't even come close to matching the throne of God, you're hurting his name here on earth. It's not matching. It's not working. And they can see it. It's God's throne. Think about God's throne for a minute. Who's on his right hand? Decisions. It's, it's the glory. It's, the, it's the, the most holy place. It's where, it's where the, the, the essence of God exists. Is his throne. Verse 35, he says, don't swear by the earth. Why the earth? Why would he say that? Well, that's what they were doing. Nor swear at all or by the, or by the earth in verse 35. Why? It is his footstool. I love how he phrased that. It's his footstool. This is God's creation. This is God's creation. It is what he created for us. Don't attach your lack of character, your lack of honesty to what is God's. He mentions in verse 35 at the end of it, nor by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. This is what they were doing. He didn't make these things up. They were doing this in real time. It's the city of the great king. And then actually verse 36 is pretty interesting. Nor shall you swear by your own head because you cannot make one hair white or black. The point is, sovereign God is in control. It's all God's. You can't exclude him. And you're trying to take a part of what is him. The point is, in those handful of verses, and a couple, in one swipe, Jesus took away their loopholes. Listen, can I tell you what we do as Christians sometimes, as believers sometimes? We're looking for the loophole. We're looking for, not for God what honors you, but for how much can I get away with? We're looking for how much, how much can, can I still have what I want and keep you happy? We look for the loophole. The genuine gospel not only takes away the loophole, but fulfills that need, fulfills our heart with his presence. Man, there's something very special. This is just my experience speaking out loud. There's something very special in having to make a hard decision, in, in like, like a quick decision. I don't mean a financial decision or anything like that. I'm talking about a, 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 um, a spiritual decision, and, and you really don't know, but you think that I'm going to make this decision, and I'm going to stand by it because it's right. And I, I can't think of the book, chapter, verse right now, but this is right. And you're all alone, and it may take some time and then watch it come to fruition. Oh, boy, that is fulfilling. That is encouraging. That is, that is knowing that, well, I, thank you, Lord, for, for, for intervening in my life. It all boiled down to a lack of integrity. Do you have it? If you were to ask your spouse, if I were to ask your spouse, your children, your family, your co-workers, does this person have integrity? How would they answer that question? Lack of integrity also is a mindset that can be and was being passed down and spread throughout the generations. A famous quote goes like this, For a man to train up a child in the way they should go, he must walk that way himself. PLA, Practical Life Application. Do you... Do you say yes to things just to get people off your back? 
Do you do that? I've, uh, I invite people to Cross Point Baptist Church all the time, but I don't do it a ton because I know how the conversations usually end. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll be there. I'll be there. If I had a dollar for every person that said they were going to be here, we'd pay the building off tomorrow. Probably from the same person. Do you make promises only not to keep them? I was going to do this, and I decided not to. But you know what? A, uh, when we buy things on finance, whether it be a house, whatever it is, we buy on finance. I was going to bring the folder out here of our mortgage contract with the bank for our church building because it's about yay thick. It's, it's really thick, a lot of signing. And, um, you know, did you read all that? No, just word all sign. I mean, you cannot read everything they want you to read in the 30 minutes. They want you to do all these things. But, you know, what is that contract that we're signing with a bank, putting our name on it and it being notarized? What, what are we saying there that we're going to make those payments? We're going to keep our word. We're putting in on paper what we're saying verbally we could do. Unfortunately, they wouldn't take our billion-dollar loan on a handshake and a smile from Pastor Scott. They wouldn't take my word for it. I was shocked. Why do we think we don't have to keep the promises to the people that are closest to us? Why do we think that? Well, they understand. Well, they'll get it. They know I'm busy. As if not keeping a word to the people closest to us would hurt any less. Do you promise service to God only to find that it will cost you time? It'll cost you work. It'll cost you inconvenience. I'll tell you a little story. Uh, many of you don't know this. Sometimes I probably say people's names too much. But, you know, Brian Reynolds, was, he's cutting the grass this week up here on the tractor. And uh, it's been hot. It's been hot lately, but we always want to get it cut for the weekend, the best we can, and um, uh, especially for Vacation Bible School. Well, he was up here, and it poured raining, and um, poured down raining on him, and he just had to take the tractor back in. I didn't know all that except for Pastor Rick sent me a video. He was up here and made that comment of how Brian, did you know that you know he did this? Actually, I think that was the point of it, but, uh, but that's not what he said. He was just talking about the servitude. He was driving a tractor, pouring down raining, and he came back yesterday to finish it up. That's integrity. He, he even called me and said, I got all but the other side of the field. I said, it's okay. It's probably wet. Don't worry about it. He wanted to come back and finish it up. So when you're done, go to my house and get that buttoned up. Many people in Jesus' day, they looked for technicalities so they could avoid keeping a promise or the vow. You don't do that. You do not do that. Verse 37, uh, verse the, the 33 through 36 was kind of setting all up for verse 37. Look in verse 37 as we draw application here. He says, but let your yes be yes, your no be no, for whatever is more than these is from the evil one. Now, you may be thinking, well, Pastor, I think I've heard this before. You, you would be correct. This is the Bible. You're going to hear it time and time again. Integrity, if we don't have it, we don't have anything else. Somebody in this church taught me that. 
all you have is your integrity. Don't let somebody else speak for your heart. And if, if you lose your integrity, but what, what do we have? You can want a bigger building. You want a bigger congregation. You want more people. So what? If you've lost your integrity, you've lost everything before God and before man. The new standard of practice is what Jesus is giving us in verse 37. Not the standard of 33 through 36. Not that standard. Not the hypocritical standard. Not the one that everyone kind of like, well, it's just them being them. Not the wink and the nod. He's giving a new standard. Don't take the Lord's name in vain. That's what they were doing. They were attaching his name to their words and taking it in vain because not never intending to fulfill it. The new practice, yes be yes, no be no in verse 37. That should be enough, period. If you say you're going to do something, do it. Now, some things I say even in passing, hey, I'm going to look that up if I can. Some of the things are a high priority, other things are not. But some things we have to look, when we look people in the eye and give them that answer, make sure we fulfill that word. Fulfill it. Do you need somebody to validate your word? If so, you may be hurting the name of God. Now, this also doesn't prohibit in legal matters. Look in Matthew 26. Look in Matthew 26, 63. Let me reiterate that. This does not prohibit, and he's not saying don't ever take a vow. That's, that, is not, he's, he, that is not what he's saying. Look in verse 26, verse 26, 63 of Matthew. But Jesus kept silent. This is at his, when he's facing, uh, after the arrest, he's facing the Sanhedrin. Jesus kept silent, and the high priest answered and said to him, I put you under oath by the living God. So now the high priest did the exact same thing. He was kind of warning them to be careful about earlier. Tell us if you are the Christ, the Son of God. The high priest invoked an oath on Jesus. Jesus isn't prohibiting oaths or vows. He's saying, let your word be enough. My word is enough. Is your word enough? Show integrity. I'm going to have Spencer put on the screen 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12. A bunch of years ago, I had us as a church body try to uh, memorize this verse, commit this verse to memory. Because usually when it starts, some people check out. Let no one despise your youth. And they go, well, I'm not young, so I'm out. Look at the principles. The assumption here, believers, is that you already have these things. Let no one despise your youth, but be an example to who? The believers, to each other. Why? Because it encourages, it validates what's true and right. Be uh, examples how? In word. In word. Your word's only as valid as your conduct. So you got to be true in your word. What you say you're going to do, do it. And in word, meaning not only what you say you're going to do, but in speaking the truth. Not being caught up in hypothetical doctrines and all these other things. Being truthful in your word, in your conduct, how you live your life, because it's a reflection of him in love and spirit in faith and in purity. I want to key in on the first part of that word, speech. Think about your marriage vows. When you see celebrity marriages come together and they take their names and kind of mush them together and all that stuff, 
what is your comfort level on, on that marriage is going to last till eternity? Divorce is as fast as the marriages are in the celebrity world. And it's nothing. It means so little. And yet God says it's sacred. What is a marriage vow? Think about that. Is that not the, the highest standard of integrity on a relational way here on earth? The answer is yes. Say what you mean and mean what you say. And show these integrity, show these actions and conducts to be true. Actions will back up your words. What can we do? Well, take your position in Christ seriously. Remember I asked that question, who are you? Man, I hope you take me up on that and spend some time alone. Who am I? Really consider who you are. But as a believer, hopefully you'll see your position in Christ. If you genuinely have that position in Christ, it's a pointed in the right direction for who you are. Make time with him a priority. If you fail, no excuses, ask for forgiveness. Here's the apex of the application, and it's in Philippians. I'm going to ask you to turn there. This is the last portion we'll look at this morning in Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1, verse 27. Ooh, I can think of two other times in the New Testament this principle uh, is applied. All three are by Paul, and he's... Um, making it very direct on how to live your life. Here it is. This is how to do it. This is how to get it done. Philippians chapter 1, verse 27 says, Only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ. Live up to the gospel. Don't bring it down. They were bringing it down when you attach an, an, uh, God's holy things to your word. You let your words be attached to it, to him. So that whether I come and see or am absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Live up to the gospel. Don't bring it down. You've heard me say that. This is not new. You've heard me say that a lot here at Cross Point Baptist Church. But it's all that much more applicable today. People are watching. They want to know what's real. They want to know what's genuine. Are we a genuine body of believers or not? It matters. Integrity matters. If you'll cheat in the little things, you'll cheat in the big things. If you're funny in the little things, you're going to be way off in the big things. I said... Philippians would be our last scripture, but when you think about the Matthew chapter 5 and verse 37, how it ends, it ends with these words. For whatever is more than these is from the evil one. If you need validation from an oath, your motive may be evil. Obviously, Jesus Christ, when he walked this earth, was a man of integrity. His words and his actions, what he said he would do on the cross, he did. 
what he did, he still does. It's a call to integrity today. And you may think, well, how do I muster this up? How do I muster it up? The first step is fall to, fall to the gospel. Fall to him. He will give you righteousness. The ability to live right, which means the ability to live with the buzzword of the day, integrity. That's where you start. You don't start with mustering it up yourself. Righteousness, that, that becomes filthy red. The righteousness before him starts with him. And he teaches us these manners. Well, as I kind of take this time and draw a time for prayer and reflection, it's also a time of application. It may be something in your life like, Lord, I just want to get right before you. Because there's too many people around you that are at stake. And it may help you sleep at night. Very well may help you get a good night's sleep. Let's bow for prayer. Lord, as we spend this time in prayer, we know that it's not limited to this time frame. We know that. We know that you're not limited to this time frame. What we don't always know is how to be well-pleasing to you. We get lost in our own heads. We get lost in our own agendas. So as we come before you now and this open up the altar, the praise team is going to sing a song with us and we can come and pray and pray privately right where we are. We can pray with another as we want to be well-pleasing to you, experiencing your grace and your love, your conviction, to be honorable before you. I lift this prayer in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Would you stand with the praise team as they lead us in this song? I'll be standing right here. If you would like for me to pray with you, I'm more than willing to do that. Won't you come as they lead us in the song?
Tuesday, we have our um, activity. You're, it's not too late to sign up. We are going to Doodle and Paint Studio off of Five Mile, followed by El Coyote at seven. You guys um, are welcome to do one or the other or both. Um, if you can sign up out there, let me, Betty, or Brittany know, and we'll mark you guys down. It is $6 sitting fee plus the cost of the pottery that you choose. We'll be painting those and then going to El Coyote. Um, one other little thing, um, I went through the directory. If your cell phone number was in there, you might have got a text from me. If it wasn't in there, um, come see me. It's just a way for us um, ladies to keep uh, up to date with the activities and things that we'll be doing. Um, you can see me afterwards, and I'll um, add you to the group. All right, thank you. Just a couple of announcements that Pastor already made. Again, our last Vacation Bible School night is tonight at 6 o'clock. If you're a worker, be here a little bit before 5.30. We'll have the devotion over in the Word Cafe at 5.30. Uh, two other announcements that you heard mentioned. Um, the National Night Out, which is uh, Tuesday, August the 3rd. That'll be uh, at Batavia Township Park. And then one other announcement that we had on the board. Um, our last men's Bible study uh, session will be on Saturday August the 14th at 10 a.m. With that, you're dismissed. <laughs>